Welcome to Progression Lab, I'm your host, Hanson McCoy. At Progression Lab, we dive into proven techniques for better creative solutions. Here we tap into the insights of academic research, creative experts, and the industry around us to help you become a more effective problem solver. My mission is to inspire positive change by guiding you to the tools that you need to find creative solutions and to drive exceptional performance. I have a really intriguing interview today with Oliver Bates, a client partner at Twitter. On this episode, we explore how to inspire an entrepreneur culture within your business, the future of media, the future of technology and the future of Twitter and a little bit about sell-side marketing as well because I didn't actually know much about that. <laughs> uh, myself and Oliver worked together back in the Dense Regis network where I was in planning and Ollie was a paid social media and video strategist. Learning more about his journey was fascinating as were all of the topics that we covered. I hope you enjoyed this episode and for more information about what we do at Progression Lab, please head on over to progressionlab.co.uk. All right. Oli, thank you. Thank you for jumping on this podcast with me. Um, I want to start off by giving things a little bit of context and talking a little bit about your background, um, how you got into sales side marketing, your role at Twitter, um, a bit about yourself. So how did it all get started? I mean, what was, what was your first role and how did it lead, I suppose, gradually um, or accidentally to where you are right now? You know, started... Um outside of uni about nine to 10 years ago in media. Um, but I was focused in TV, so TV production, working on shows like Sunday Brunch. So yeah, I kind of watched a lot of TV at uni, which we all did, and um, got a taste for, for that and, you know, the creativity within it. Yeah. Um, and so wanted to go into something that was enabled that um, creativity and building something from scratch and kind of entrepreneurial, but also you get this kind of behind the scenes kind of fame type thing. You know, I never wanted to be on camera, but I always wanted to like create a great show that everyone like, oh, I love that show, you know. And then the progression post that was moving towards social media. You know, I saw an opportunity in social media, you know, got to remember this was before adverts were on social media that I got involved with it, which seems so long ago now. Um, but, you know, just see an opportunity in, in an in a, in a, in a industry that was just starting. Um, and I really like that because, again, you know, mm. being young at that time, I mean, I'm still young, but not as young as <laughs> my unfortunately. Um, but you could go into meetings and people would really respect your view um, because they didn't have much understanding of, the, of social media. So it was all this new thing where it's like, oh, that person does it. And they'd give you all the responsibility. So it was a bit kind of loose at the same time, you know, mm. they didn't take it that seriously, but at the same time, they kind of had to have you in the room if they wanted to talk about social media. So it felt like a great opportunity. And again, within social media, you know, obviously we have the TikTok generation now. I was the Facebook, Twitter generation. Yeah, it was less on the influencer side then, but it definitely came with the verification on Twitter. I think that's probably, you know, the kind of start of that influencer generation really. Mm. Um, and then, you know, move for, further on to, to paid advertising within Dentsu, where we obviously met, you know, sitting on the seventh floor of um, that Regent's Park building. Yeah. <laughs> Good memories. Looking out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Looking out on our futures, working on different clients um, and then moving to Twitter. So, you know, I always like Twitter. I've used it. Actually, it's my 12th anniversary of being on the platform. Wow. Which is quite a milestone. Um, so yeah, one of the, one of the first to be on, I think it's, we're only about 13, nearly 14 years old now. And then just got kind of completely, you know, fell, fell completely full circle from using this app 
from university up until now and then you know working for that company I just felt like knowing within the industry it was a great place to work but also you're working for something that you really believe in you know you use it I use, still use it every day so um, Absolutely. You know, reflecting on on the full journey, which is something that you know often we don't get enough time to do. We don't we don't really have enough time to think about how everything's led up to right now. You know, for you, it sounds like it started with you know you wanted to make something that was really great, and you saw TV as like a really good avenue to do that. You know, you wanted to create something that you know people really valued and pe- people really saw and they recognized. You know, that they they, they recognized the show. And um, would you say that that's something that you get and you feel right now working at Twitter? That's the, probably the best thing about Twitter. You know, every plan. You know, you know, media is bought um, in m- many different ways outside of Twitter, social media, on TV. You know, and a lot of it comes down to a basic factor of reach. Post-reach, then it comes around to things like engagement um, and brand lists and stuff like that. So I think with Twitter, they got the both scenarios. So, you know, probably half my day is just working on campaigns that are about kind of reach, reaching an audience uh, for a different campaign. Yeah. But the other side is very creative. So we have a lot of teams within Twitter. And we have the sponsorships team, which have partnerships with the biggest sponsors around. So yeah. all the biggest content partners around from the ITVs of this world to the Condé Nassas of the world, Sky Sports. So you can imagine that's got a real you know, affinity towards the TV side of things. And then we have Twitter Next, which is our in-house strategy team. And they are there to create great campaigns. They know everything about mm. creating the platform. You know, they're the people that know how to get yourself trending, the question that everyone asks all the time. Yeah, absolutely. And, and how to do it as a brand as well. And, you know, how to do it as a, a brand like Shell and also to do it as a brand like Nike. You know, very different brands, very mm. different sentiment within the brands. And you just have to be working that out constantly. Mm. And then you've got, like, insights and research team. Our insights team talk about... We've got the largest human archive of thought ever. And basically that just means it's an open platform that people have been talking on for 14, 13 years now. So they just can analyze a lot of different data points um, for that. And then the research which measures it. So you can get this kind of bigger picture campaign, um, which I feel like, you know, other platforms can do, but, you know, it feels very, very creative within Twitter, of everyone joining together. It's not, the massive company that Facebook is, it's, it's still yeah. very nimble, even though it is a big company. Um, so yeah, it's, it's all encompassing of that, that really creates a great role for yourself. And, you know, as the client partner role that I'm given, it is very much about being expressive and, you know, having your own kind of CEO control of your patch mm. and, and whatnot. So all that links into a job that really suits me. Yeah, definitely. It really does suit you. And like, I can feel the enthusiasm when you're talking about it as well. You know, a lot of people aren't really going to understand what sales side marketing really is. Um, You know, how the industry really works. Um, So could you talk a little bit more on that? Like, you know, what does it mean to be a client partner? And if you were to just describe it to somebody who has no idea how the sales side marketing element of things really can't really, really delivers value for clients. You know, the, the industry, so I, I worked at agency side with you before. Yeah. You know, there are different areas or, or three different owners um, within a plan or, or within the industry. So you have the client who leads pretty much all the brand communication for a particular brand, mm-hmm. let's just say Apple. Then you have the agency that kind of guides them both on a strategy level and also on a kind of paid spend level. And then you have 
the the salespeople which own all the platforms that are promoted uh, content on or promoted adverts on. So you yeah. know, Apple use their agency to decide which um, platforms they should be on. And then the, the sales side is a convincing side, but also, you know, I see it as very much as a partnership. I'm not here to just be like, you know, hard sales. You know, I'm not, I'm not oh. a direct salesman by any, at any means. You know, <laughs> yeah. talk about. My background from coming from TV probably can sum, surmise that, but you know, our job is, is from my perspective is to be a partner to them, to mm. guide them with their budget, to best spend that budget on the platform. Absolutely. But, you know, but you know, sales as as a role within the industry is you own the knowledge of your platform better than anyone else, mm. and you are there to describe it to the agency and the client as best you can to then increase spend on the platform is a, a very kind of binary way of looking at. It. But yeah, the other the other way of looking at it is very partnership orientated with all these different clients that you have what could the future look like for, for our space and, you know, for the current structure? Do, do you have any thoughts on that, perhaps? It's, it's hard necessarily to see anything that doesn't have some sort of assimilation with those three different areas. Mm. But at the same time, you know, we have big partnerships with, with clients and you almost become strategic lead agency side type mm. sales where you are guiding them on a bigger thought than just Twitter. It's like what you're doing on Twitter is the majority of your media plan, for instance. And why that matters that you do it so well is you've got all these different people that you would have in agency at Twitter now. So you can kind of build that relationship with them. But it just, it, I think it just very much depends on how, how the clients are structured. Um, you know, for instance, AB and Bev are, are taking a lot in-house. They have their own in-house creative and activation agency and in, in yeah. client. And then you have kind of the, the clients that have done the same for, for a long, long time and, and continue to do it that way, like the L'Oreal's. There, it's just so much variation that it's hard to predict the future. All I would say on that is that kind of a more focused answer is there's a lot more partnerships going on with the sales type team and a lot less just big trade deals. Um, yeah. Kind of various um, money, monetary terms. It becomes a lot more like how do we build a joint partnership? How do you you know, use all these expertise that we've got in-house. And so I wanted to talk a little bit about the role of innovation at Twitter, um, because, you know, I can see that you have teams that are dedicated towards, you know, finding new and better ways of doing things. But how is innovation seen? Is it, is it seen as an intrinsic thing? Not only from, from our side in, in sales, but also from, you know, the platform. I feel like the social media platforms have come to this world to... Um, Move fast and break things, that's it. Nice. So <laughs> that's, that's the rhetoric. I think it's probably less like that rhetoric at Twitter, but what it is is that you can't stand still. You know, mm. We're basically the innovative players in the, in the market, so if we're standing still, then it's going to be a problem for us because people are almost always expecting new products, etc., to come out um, to be mm. used with it. So, I, you know... I can't predict how the next 10 years is going to look, but, you know, the way that Twitter will be in 10 years' time, I think, will be very, you know, core to the values. It's all about communication. It's all about getting news to people that's meaningful for them. It's all about what's happening in the world. But, you know, will it just be, you know, we've moved so far from text to, you know, a focused video platform now. Will it go even further than that? You know, there's voice notes. You know, will it just be kind of talking, you know, how much is VR going to 
continue to develop in this space. You know, we're going to have electric vehicles, or well, we've got electric vehicles, but we're going to have autonomous vehicles. Mm. You know, I just can't, you know, think about 10 years ago, we didn't have 4G, for instance, and 4G came exactly. so much. Like Snapchat wouldn't have happened without 4G. Um, and definitely like TikToks, et cetera. And now we're moving to this kind of 5G, which people are just saying won't change much, but I think what it will change is the whole VR landscape, the whole gaming landscape. And then how does everyone feel <coughs> that if people are going more virtual, the whole industry has to move to virtual, you know, how are we kind of associating as, a, as brands to those virtual events, et cetera. And especially, you know, the way that COVID's changed things, it's kind of given us a glimpse of, of how the future looks if the, technology isn't quite here yet absolutely absolutely you know really amazing companies they're able to they they have leaders that don't just try to come up with ideas themselves but they try to inspire everyone around them um, in their expert fields to be able to innovate and come up with more ideas themselves um, yeah. and I think you I think you spoke to me a little bit about kind of an entrepreneurial culture right yeah absolutely I mean it, you can't have an innovative um, focus for your brand without an, an entrepreneurial culture because ultimately you are asking everyone to come in and have ideas that are set outside what they actually do on their day-to-day. I think that's always encouraged. Um, you know, they try and as much as possible encourage it across areas of the company as well. So, you know, they have Hack Week, for instance, which is more, more focused towards engineers, but, you know, essentially build something that it hasn't been done on the platform. They know that small ideas can create a huge difference you know that for instance they used our users a huge amount as well mm. the hashtag was was created by the user um there's a lot of other things that are created by the user threads was another one so mm. i think as a company you're like and and jack who leads it he's always listening to yeah. ideas always wanting people to come up with ideas you know he's constantly on the platform he's always he's a big thinker and and has that thought process of not being you know your boss but being the person that inspires you you know yeah i see what you mean what does it mean to you to be an entrepreneur do you, do you see yourself in, uh, as, as that we both had like many different ideas throughout our time um but how how do you see yourself as an entrepreneur right now it's a funny question but how what does it mean to you yeah i think it is a funny question i think it's getting even more precarious and the lines are so blurred now that i just it's hard to even say it but i think entrepreneurship is is part and parcel of business now i think before maybe in the past um even when i started definitely before that time it was all focused mm. less entrepreneurial mindset in a business it was here's the structure you run with it we pay you to do that yeah. and everyone got on with it. whereas now it's like okay now we're paying you to do your job we're also paying you to think about things i think google have for instance um you can apply for a 20 percent of your time to work on a project you know outside of the usual sphere of what you do so yeah because they know that things i don't know what was created from this but i'm sure things like maps and whatever were created at the mm. start because of that so I think is I think the definition now is probably someone that is always looking for new ideas that can sit within a company or, or outside of a company. But basically, if you're just there to do your job, that's mm. not entrepreneurial. But if you're there to do a wider context, bring in things that people aren't thinking about, I think that's at least the entrepreneurial spirit, if not entrepreneurial as a narrative. I think, you know, I've worked on a few things outside of companies 
working on a night, you know, as you've done as well with your kind yeah, of Yeah, absolutely, stuff. absolutely. And getting, getting to this stage, right? Yeah, um, I mean, it, it all kind of leads somewhere in many ways. I feel like if you have it inside of you, the worst thing is to, to, to silence it, you know? I, I, in many ways, I don't believe that everyone has that thing inside of them that makes them think of ideas, but then actually want to do them. I think many people just... You know, you'll think about an idea, you'll think, oh, that's cool, but you know, never mind. I think that there, there yeah, are a lot of people. Yeah, it's action, it's action, it's actually doing something with it. I think, you know, that that that's what really separates entrepreneurs in, in my eyes. I see you as very entrepreneurial. Um, and I, for me, as you said, it you know, <clears throat> being entrepreneurial doesn't necessarily mean starting a business. It, it's a trait. It's a trait of, you know, autonomy and being able to pick yourself up and actually do something. Um, and so I, I, certainly, I certainly feel like it's a really important trait. And I asked you about it because, um, you know, hearing about, hearing about the culture at Twitter really does sound like, you know, something that is innovative and not enough companies think in that way, you know, to really leverage people's individual expertise. I think it's a developing kind of, definition these days but you know i would always encourage people to, to be like that within companies try and find what you're good at try and find what you're respected for and try and find you know ideas and, and innovations within that company or obviously outside which is you know the dream for most entrepreneurs because otherwise you're probably just gonna have a you know probably a great career and stuff but maybe never even never reach something that really um inspires you if you will yeah, exactly. Um, it's something that, you know, I think it, it comes down to being able to listen to yourself and it comes down to fulfillment. Thinking about the future now, because right now this is the present. I want to I think a bit more about the future and what's likely to happen. Um, I think the virtual concerts and stuff like that are pretty interesting. I think, you know, tuning into that fortnight, Travis Scott, um, you know, whatever it was, concert on, on the fortnight was just absolutely bonkers. And I can't imagine yeah. you know, VR headset. For those that haven't seen it, it's basically Travis Scott did a concert on Fortnite. Fortnite is the game that basically is endless in boundaries. He was moving between space and planets and discos and everything. So you, you're kind of almost like the ultimate concert possible, yeah. but slightly not quite there yet because you're only viewing it through um, you know, your computer screen typically. But I feel like when the VR headset comes... And you go into that Travis Scott, especially Travis Scott, because he creates mm. such a, you know, the, he's part of the acid rap scene, which is obviously very creative and, and you know, very kind of focused towards visuals and... Uh, definitely, definitely. Space and, you know, the outer world and everything that's going that's slightly strange in this world. So, you know, you can go in that concert and just be like in this complete different world that you just never would have achieved before. And obviously, you know, the way he does his concerts is trying to get to that, but you're, you know, it's still just standing, watching a script, you know, watching him, you know, with lots of other people around it rather than being in a completely different world. So I don't know that. I think that's really interesting. As mentioned, like I think VR and, you know, I don't know what types of devices are going to come up, you know, it's going to be endless more, more devices. Absolutely. There's going to be so many niche platforms as well outside of that, you know, that, you know, everyone has this side hustle going back to the entrepreneurial thing, you know, it's a big thing of, of lockdown and, and kind of the last couple of years is the side hustle. So it's all these kind of niches, yeah. you know, creating your own clothing line to creating your own design line to progression lab mm. to, 
you know, all these different exactly. things that, you know, create different avenues, you know, like just like social media was a breakaway from the media platforms to give people the power to talk about, you know, be their own journalists, really. Mm. There's going to be a, another iteration of that, you know, smaller communities, you know, we've got like Parler now, we've got like Reddit, we've got, you know, all these different communities and social media communities mm. online that, you know, you look back five years ago and it was essentially Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and, you know, Snapchat. But that yeah. was about it. And even Snapchat was seen as like, what is this? this yeah, what is this? Yeah. <laughs> and that yeah. is like, you know, fully fledged, you know, it's, it's worth more than Twitter and the stock market at the moment. You know, mm. there's just so much shifting change towards tech. I think the one thing that you can't, one thing you can guarantee is that we have to continue this tech route. You can argue whether you like it, like the old ways better. And obviously romance about the old days of just, bumping into people and having more face-to-face -face communication is obviously a great romantic idea and, and stuff we all, all love. But realistically, tech is here to stay and, and we have to continue on that path. So it's how does that continually integrate into your life? And I Absolutely. Think, I think we've just had a glimpse in COVID, everything that's changing your life in COVID is just going to extenuate, you know, more virtual, more faster um, packages being sent to you, more niche oh. products, more entrepreneurship, um, more side hustle, all that kind of stuff. But, you know, this is, <laughs> I listen to a lot of podcasts and stuff. But, and yeah, I'm always me too. Facing, <laughs> so I'm sure there's a lot of people out there going, nothing's going to change. No, I know. <laughs> There are always people saying nothing's going to change. If you look at any period of time, you know, you have the people that are afraid of the changes. You have the people that are denying the changes. And then I think you have the people that are accepting that inevitably things change. It's not just human nature, but it's the nature of the world. Um, so, you know, things, things will inevitably change. And, you know, in terms of what you're talking about, in terms of the technology, like VR and whatnot, I can, I can definitely see that. Um, and, really how it's getting more and more integrated, you know, with, with us and with our bodies, you know, uh, I, our, our phones are basically an extension of our bodies. And, you know, when you hear about, you know, things like Neuralink and, you know, somehow technology is being able to be directly, you know, interface within our bodies, within our brains, you know, it feels like probably not in 2021, but perhaps in the next 15 years for sure, um, there'll definitely be some, uh, a, a huge change from that perspective as well. Um, so, that, you know, who, who knows? Who knows what's coming? I'd just say on a, on a guide to that, if anyone wants to, to, to go down that entrepreneurial route, you know, always think of what is the new thing, you know. You know, naturally, the younger generation are always going to be able to think about that more than the older generation. So if you're, if you're keen on that kind of thing, like think, what are we going to be doing in 10 years' time? Maybe we'll be driving autonomous cars. Okay. That's a pretty hard goal, but what comes with autonomous cars, you know? Mm. More time to consume media, for instance. So, you know, there's all sorts of avenues that can happen from one innovation. Absolutely. There, there are, and it is inspiring as well. Um, I, I, I do wonder, like, what it, what it feels like right now for, for kids that are growing up and, you know, they've, they're growing up without a concept of, you know, life without the internet, um, and many things such as, you know, coding and, you know, a, a lot of these, you know, innovations are just intrinsic, are, are just part of their growing up, you know, they're part of their education. Um, and so, 
you know, it, it could go one way where they they create even more crazy innovations, or it could go it could go another way where you know things are so easy right now. A lot of the building blocks are put in place. It could make people feel in some ways less entrepreneurial because you know you know there there are so many things that will be just done for us. The sky is the limit, and it could go either way. But one thing is for sure, you know, things things are going to change. <laughs> um, I wanted to ask you a bit about. Um, you mentioned how you know communities are becoming you know more decentralized you know we we spoke a little bit about some of those other platforms that you know bringing huge amounts of people um to really specific things um a flip side of that is when you look at a lot of our our lar- our large platforms you know your twitters your googles your facebooks a lot of the content that you see is um, very curated towards what you're interested in and you know what you're likely to, to engage with. Um, and so in many ways, you can achieve a lot of these smaller communities within the bounds of you know, your, larger, your, la- your larger platforms. Um, and so it is something that I, I see going either way as well. You know, it could be the case where you have you know, a smaller platforms coming up uh, but it could also be the case where our, these larger platforms get better at being able to find people and create people, their, their communities. Communities are a hard one. In some ways, we're more connected with the world through all these platforms, and in other ways, we're less connected. Um, but I think that the principle of these social platforms is to try and build as many communities as possible, mm. trying to build a voice for everyone in the world, you know, that's why trending happens so often at Twitter and you just never know what's going to trend. Obviously, you can try your best to to navigate that and we have experts to do it, but ultimately, some things can just be the right time. You know, we saw from the TikTok guy that did the ocean spray that that was just the right thing for the right moment. And, yeah. uh, but, you know, if you did that a year ago, probably no one would notice, you know? Yeah, exactly. So, so it's, it's this weird communi- uh, combination of things. I think... Now, I've used Reddit recently. I think that's quite an interesting community thing because it is basically community-led social media where you have mm-hmm. groups discussing everything from football to Joe Rogan. And they're in their groups is kind of, uh, you have someone that controls the group. They can kick people out or, or have people in. You know, they can downweight comments. They can upweight comments. And it becomes a more of a, a friendly kind of conversation amongst people that don't have to describe or, or be like their identity i think you know we obviously have facebook that has the communities of like you know still get everyone still getting party invites yeah i know <laughs> facebook. um and then you have like you know short communication tools like twitter where you can really communicate with lots of different people on, a, on such a large scale and you know get an interaction with celebrities etc so it's just very hard. I don't, it's just very hard to know how it's all going to combine in, in a few years' time, these communities, with real life, because potentially I feel that they're quite separate at the moment. But at some point, they're probably going to just be the norm and the switch will happen. So, you know, I just feel like potentially there's just more apps to be created and, and more developments within these apps to create communities online. One, one really insightful episode that I've done recently um, for Progression Lab was 
about the relationship between data and creativity. Companies that fail to use data, fail to use create, fail, fail to use it creativity, uh, creatively, sorry, aren't going to see the same longevity as those that do. And so, you know, when we talk about how you know communities are changing, how people's interests are changing, how what's trending changes on a regular basis. Um, businesses need to keep up with that. Yeah, I mean, I think agencies is a really interesting example. I think they're constantly trying to innovate, you know, with clients, how they work in different capacity with clients from not just having the normal relationship, but, you know, strategic relationships, planning relationships, etc. They've got to navigate both the platforms and the clients. It's a huge job to do. They have to have continuous different experts within those um within those kind of groups. Um, and obviously there's a lot of consolidation within the agency groups from the group M, group M's and Dent2. You know, there's a lot of buying up companies over the last kind of five years and, and also creating new companies just to be one agency companies. Um, for instance, like Dent2X, et cetera. It's, it's absolutely necessary, but it actually is quite hard to navigate because we still don't quite know what, what's going on with tech. Yeah in the sense that it seems to always evolve. So, and, and I think that's just the point, isn't it? Like, as company, you have to realize that you will never be standing still again. You know, no. it's always going to change. Right? Every year or every few years, you're going to have to reinvent it. So it's almost like the, the companies of old are struggling at the moment to, to restructure their business for that to happen. And, and the new ones, like, for instance, like Mercado with shopping, you know, it's very nimble now and can just, you know, do whatever it wants because it didn't have a base beforehand. And, um yeah i don't know it's it's uh it's it's not an easy job it's just not an easy job though you know we think it's easy and i think we blame all these companies for doing stuff but you know they're just often trying to do their best you know yeah, well yeah. it's always changing it just moves so fast now that you exactly just, it's just absolutely crazy that you know you just have to be thinking about it all the time you know it's worth probably just hiring someone in the company just to think about you know, CIO or something like innovation officer. Yeah. <laughs> what's the new thing? What are we going to have to do in a year's time? So you're not like, you know, you're not, you're not tracking back, tracking back in time because, you know, the, you know, the Googles of this world, for instance, you know, they're quite a mature company. I think Google's like 30 years old or something. Mm. So, so they're a mature company now and they're so, so, so big. You know, I think they they're the biggest employer of the world, one of them at least. And, you know, that's an interesting concept for a company that has to innovate, has all these different tech variations of what they do now. You know, how, you know what are they do? You know, surely they have some, someone just constantly looking at innovation or what they have to do next and stuff like that. Absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, I think that, you know, one thing that I would personally like to achieve is I'd like more people to be that chief innovation officer that you mentioned. Um, hopefully everybody, hopefully everyone thinks about how to innovate and innovation as a personal role for them. Um, because ultimately... I think, I think that's what Twitter gives everyone, that, yeah. that, kind of, um, that green tick to be innovative. So they kind of have that within the company kind of thing, you know? That's amazing. And, and, and I feel like that, that, is, that is the very thing that is going to make, and that is, that's going to change, you know, the, really the industry as we see it. Um, so, 
man, it sounds like you guys are working on some amazing things. And, um, you know, to wrap up, I just wanted to say thank you for your time. And um, if people want to keep up with you and want to keep up with um, the kind of things that you're thinking about, the kind of things that you're talking about, the kind of things that you're working on, where would be the best place for them to find you? Yeah, I mean, my uh, handle is Oliver T.L. Bates, B-A-T-E-S. Um, so on Twitter, just follow me if, if you want to hear what I have to say. I, I share a lot of stuff. Obviously, we've just launched Fleets as well. So starting to use that as well. Um, but, you know, I try and share a few articles here and there that are interesting. Um, but, you know, I would always encourage people to just read and listen. The more you read and listen, the more you learn, the more you can be entrepreneurial or innovative. So that would be my um, yeah, you're, you're, yeah, the parting wisdom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Feel free to, to to DM me. Amazing. Well, what I'll do is I'll I'll link to your I'll link to your Twitter in the show notes. Um, and yeah, thank you for thank you for joining. All right, thanks, Hansel. And thank and it's it's great what you're doing. So um, keep it up. Oh, definitely, man. Thank you for listening in to today's episode. And if you have any thoughts, please drop me a message at Wednesday at progressionlab.co.uk or simply a comment in the discussion below. I've left a link to Oliver Bates' Twitter where you'll be able to send him a message or a DM if you'd like to. And if you're interested in learning how to use creativity to transform your business, please head on over to progressionlab.co.uk. All right, thank you for listening in and I'll see you on the next episode.